Welcome to the Kol Hadash Humanistic Congregation Podcast. Weighing our choices can be difficult, deciding between what we want and what we need. Rabbi Shalom offers another human need, one of balance. 2,000 years ago, a man wanted to learn the essence of Judaism. He came to two famous rabbis and he asked, Can you explain all of the Torah while standing on one foot? Rabbi Shammai abruptly dismissed him. There are so many details, so much information to learn, you could not possibly get all you need to know about Judaism in just a few seconds. Rabbi Hillel responded quite simply, That which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. The man accepted Hillel's teaching, though it is not recorded on which foot Hillel stood. You have probably heard this story before, but it usually emphasizes Hillel's ethical message or the importance of patience or the power of positive answers to encourage learning. I want to look at standing on one foot. I brought this story today to open a conversation about balance, what balance is, why we need balance, and how we find balance. Hillel's balance is not just physical. Who knows whether he actually stood on one foot? Hillel's balance is a state of mind, the confidence to be comfortable, the poise to give a short and simple answer that is questioner needed. This high holidays, we have explored what we really need. Beyond survival, what helps us feel alive, what makes life worth living. We have found that purpose and joy and beauty are all crucial, but we cannot have it all. Pursuing only one need to the abstraction of all others gets us nowhere. Behind everything, we need a sense of balance. Jewish tradition describes its one true path. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the message is loud and clear. Be careful to do as Yahweh your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Follow only the path that Yahweh your God has commanded you so you will live and it will go well with you and you will prolong your days. Do not turn aside. Do not change. Do not create. Stay on the path. This image of walking the path will evolve into rabbinic halakha, which means walking. But walking the path is also Islamic sharia, which also means path, and the Tao of Taoism, also path, and the Eightfold Path of Buddhism, The question for us is whether these paths are the way to balance or the road to extremes. Do we narrowly avoid turning to the right or to the left? Or do we draw from the best of the right and the left? Which path will give us a sense of balance and enable us to answer the hard questions with comfort and confidence? What do we mean by balance? I don't mean physical balance. That's not my department. However, I will point out that the more straight and rigid you are, the easier you fall. But you can improve your balance by bending your knees. Perhaps a personal lesson for flexibility. There are negative terms for balance. Wishy-washy, sitting on the fence, which even sounds uncomfortable. Unable to take a stand, blowing with the wind. Maybe sometimes the answer is blowing with the wind. But that's not what we mean when we seek balance. 
What I want to explore is attitude and behavior. A balanced attitude? Someone who is calm and poised. Someone self-assured enough that there is no need to cover uncertainty with bluster and filibuster. Listening carefully and reflecting before answering. Patient when needed and animated when necessary. Balanced behavior comes from applying this balanced attitude, choosing among our many needs and desires, deciding what is most important, and then making sure that our time and our energy are actually spent there. Perhaps balance is best described by the word grace, the art of graceful living. That's what we seek when we say balance, the experience of moving gracefully through life. Now, as I've warned before, I will not give you simple answers. My task is to help define the questions, perhaps to give you some ideas of how you may choose to proceed. But your path must be yours. It cannot be mine nor anyone else's. Centuries before Hillel, Aristotle described ideal behavior as being in the middle, neither too fearful nor too foolhardy. Centuries after Hillel, the great medieval rabbi and philosopher Maimonides read Aristotle and learned from him, and he wrote that ideal of the middle into his own code of Jewish law, his halakha, his path. Amid all of Maimonides' rules of kosher observance, ritual purity and impurity and all the rest, we find a message of balance, like Aristotle, but adopted into Jewish culture and relevant for us today. Now you might ask, how could someone from 800 years ago who knew nothing about genetics, or psychology, or modern science, someone steeped in a medieval religious lifestyle, how could such a person have anything useful for today? And if we took that attitude, we would throw out our libraries and our archives, forget the classics, act as if we were created out of nothing, with no roots, no heritage. We are not passively subject to the authority of the past. I can't imagine anyone walked to our services this morning from home. But neither are we ignorant and dismissive of the past. If our ancestors responded to the human experience as best they knew, so too do we. And people have not changed that much in 800 years. We live longer, we may know more, but who we are is largely the same. Since we live the same reality, even from different perspectives, a balanced approach considers what the past has to say before making up our own minds. So how does Maimonides channel and translate Aristotle? Every person has many character traits. Each trait is very different from the others. One person is constantly angry. In contrast, the calm individual who is never moved to anger, or if at all, he will be slightly angry maybe once every several years. There is the proud person and the one who is very humble. We all have extremes living within us, temper and passivity, pride and humility, the challenge is to manage them for our benefit. And we should not imagine that we are who we are with no flexibility, no adaptability, no potential for growth. That is the opposite of our humanity and our humanism. Maimonides again. With regard to all the traits, a man has some from his beginning in accordance with his nature. Some are appropriate to a person and will be acquired more easily than other traits. Some traits he does not have from birth. He may have learned them from others or turned to them on his own. They may have come from his own thoughts or because he heard this was a good trait for him, so he practiced it until it became a part of himself. 
Humanism is not fatalism. We are passionate believers in the power of human beings to own our own lives, which also means owning our own personal development. In fact, sometimes we are more in control of our choices than we control the world around us. We do have our nature, in Maimonides' words, what we would call our genetic inheritance. Some things we do have been unconsciously learned from others, from parents or peers or culture. But we are not simply who we are born to be by genetics or family inheritance or personality or cultural stereotype. I talk repeatedly about the phenomenon of Jewish time. You may have heard of this excuse. I'm late because I'm Jewish. Well, it turns out that almost every ethnicity claims that they are late because of their ethnicity. I've heard of Irish time, I've heard of Italian time, I've heard of plenty of other kinds of time. In fact, the one people who are on time is wasp time. That seems to be exactly on time. But it's not true that Jews can't be places on time. As one example, have you ever heard the Israeli army make the excuse, well, my grandmother called as I was leaving, and then I couldn't make it on time for the rendezvous and the helicopter. And the... Of course, we can get places on time. We are not condemned to be our cultural stereotypes. Another example this summer, I was waiting to officiate at a wedding, and the mother of the bride was pestering her, saying, what can I do? What do you need? What can I do? What, can you, what do you need? What can I do? So finally, I said, maybe she needs some space. And the mother's answer was, I mean, the, the bride agreed, by the way. <laughs> but the mother's answer was, well, I'm just a Jewish mother, so oh well. And I responded, even that can be controlled. <laughs> Tendency is not destiny. We can learn from others. We can learn on our own. We can practice. We can improve ourselves. We can acquire the skills we need. If we feel out of balance, we can try to right the ship. I am not naturally a schmoozer, but in my line of work, schmoozing is a necessary and important part of the job. It's called creating community. And schmoozing is crucial for me to serve the needs of those who call on me. Personal communication lays the groundwork for a relationship. So I've worked at my schmoozing, and I'm working at my schmoozing, and I will continue to work at my schmoozing. <laughs> Call it on-the-job training. The thinking came easily. The schmoozing took work. My tendency is one thing. What I choose, what I train myself to do, is something else. If you are impatient, you can practice patience. How do you get to patience? Practice, practice, practice. The art of self-control. This summer, I reread Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And what had been my favorite part of the book the first time through was still my favorite part of the book the second time through. It's a scene that takes place when he's imagining doing an extensive repair on his motorcycle. And he puts the cover back on and seals it up and looks on the ground and finds one loose screw. And he realizes he has to take the entire thing apart to find out where that stupid screw belongs. He says, at this point, take a break. Go get some coffee, clear your head, but also realize this is a moment designed to frustrate you. It's okay to be mad. But getting mad isn't going to get that screw back into the mo motorcycle. So you feel the anger and you let it go. You take hold of the emotion and you own it because it is yours. 
Recognizing these triggers is the first step to another piece of Greek wisdom, know thyself. What points the way to our improvement? Maimonides, one last time. The straight path, the midpoint temperament of each trait that people possess, equidistant from either extreme. For example, we should not be easily angered, nor be like the dead without feeling. Rather, we should follow an intermediate course. We should display anger only when the matter is serious enough to deserve it, to prevent it from happening again. We should not be overly stingy, nor spread our money around, but we should give charity according to our ability and lend to the needy as is fitting. We should not be overly joyful and laugh too much, nor be sad and depressed in spirit. Rather, we should be quietly happy at all times with a friendly appearance. This is the path of the wise. Have you ever seen a statue of Buddha without that little smile on his face? Quietly happy at all times with a friendly appearance. Buddhism's ideal is to reach personal calm and peace by withdrawing from the world, while we want to make the most of our time here. But that calm demeanor, that balanced attitude that perspective and patience provide is sometimes just what we need. A balanced attitude is a crucial foundation for the next step, from inside to outside, from theory to practice, from personal to public from balanced attitude to balanced behavior, balanced living. I asked you last night to consider the five most important things in your life and then to think of the five things you spend the most time and energy on. Are they the same? There is the social desirability of saying our family, our partner, our children, our health are the most important, but when push comes to shove, is that how we live? Now, maybe the reason you do things that you don't value as highly is that they support the things that you do value. Or perhaps if you spend a lot of time on something, it really is more important to you than you realize. I work a lot, but my work is very important to me. I aspire to be balanced enough to say no to work and yes to family, and sometimes even yes to myself, in the right proportion. If your lists are not the same, you can make changes. If you're spending your human capital on the unimportant, you can make other choices. Balancing our lives begins with a clear and balanced perspective on ourselves, who we really are, what we really value. Jewish identity in the modern world has been a balancing act as insider and outsider, at once part of and also outside of the dominant culture. We are fluent in its language and mores, but we have our own peculiar set of beliefs and practices, our holidays and identity. The theory is that with a foot in both worlds, we see beyond social conventions to radical new ideas like Freud's psychology or Einstein's relativity or even Woody Allen's comedy. Remember the dinner scene from Annie Hall? Woody Allen's Jewish family is fasting on Yom Kippur for their sins, even though they have no idea why. But when Woody visits his girlfriend's wasp family in Wisconsin, he feels like an ultra-Orthodox Jew. Now, we Jews may feel unbalanced a lot of the time. I sometimes joke that my job would be a lot easier if it weren't for all the people. But in fact, Jews have historical experience in balance. And today, there are many poles between which we already balance. First, Jewish and human. We are engaged in the world around us, but we also insist on our particular identity. 
and sometimes there are complications. Last year, the city of Oak Park scheduled their Oktoberfest celebration on Rosh Hashanah. After hearing the criticism, they told the scheduling department to be sure to avoid having Oktoberfest on Rosh Hashanah. Guess when Oktoberfest is scheduled for this year? Yom Kippur. Now, there are times, like last night and this Saturday morning, that we feel very Jewish. There are other Shabbats that are just Saturdays, when we go to Oktoberfest or watch college football on TV, and we feel connected to the world around us. Our humanism is not betrayed by our Jewishness, and our Jewishness is not compromised by our humanism. We are always adjusting the balance, but living with a foot in the best of both worlds, that we celebrate. Another balance Jewish chosenness and Jewish denial. At one extreme in Jewish life are those who are confident that Jews are better, more special than everyone else. At the other extreme, there are those who want nothing to do with anything visibly Jewish. It may be their way of asserting their autonomy, or it may come from fear. You may recall the case of George Allen, the Republican running for Senate in Virginia a few years ago when it came out during the campaign that his mother, in fact, had been Jewish from Tunisia, having kept it secret from him, he angrily responded at a press conference, Why are you casting aspersions on someone because of their religion? I still had a ham sandwich for lunch, and my mother made great pork chops. Now, maybe he was saying to his supporters that he wasn't really Jewish and still a good old boy, but his mother's fear of persecution that led her to hide their identity was transmitted in its own way. Our balance is what I call reasonable pride. I am proud of who I am without having to say that I am better than everyone else. No one objectively evaluates their own children, and no one expects you to. But overt chauvinistic favoritism on the soccer field or in Sunday school is also not okay. We are part of the Jewish family, born or married, raised or adopted, and that should be a source of reasonable pride. Next, anger and revenge, and passivity and indifference. When we or those we know are wronged, we can choose to sit in righteous judgment, cultivating our anger and our desire for revenge. Or we can passively accept what comes, simply trying to forget what happened as if it never happened. What is the straight path, the balance here? It is forgiveness the ability to move on. I will not forget what you did, but I will also not let that stop a productive future. There are times that anger is appropriate, and there are times that we can let things go without a response. They can be the gnat bothering the elephant. The elephant does more damage and gets more frustrated trying to stamp out the gnat than it's worth. But the wisdom to know the difference between a gnat and a serious issue is part of the balance. Selfishness and martyrdom. We sometimes imagine it's all about us, and sometimes we sacrifice ourselves to our own loss. I hear from my children all the time the basic human desire of mine, even if it's really my cell phone that they're arguing over. And there are always organizations willing to use as much human capital as they can get. Martyrs make great volunteers. We need to guard time and energy and money for ourselves, but we also need to be aware of how interconnected and interdependent we are. 
Martyrdom is no humanist ideal, but neither is gaining autonomy by burning the bridge of community. Tradition and modern values. Our ancestors did not believe what we believe. To say that they did is to recreate them in our image. But neither are we entirely disconnected from them. Breaking free from the past is elastic. Sometimes the first generation moves far away, and then a second generation feels pulled back, and eventually we land somewhere in the middle. What I want us all to find in our humanistic Judaism is that balanced attitude, that calm self-confidence that comes from the knowledge that we make our choices from the past and they are good enough for us. My family's humanistic Judaism is not exactly that of my parents, and my children will make their own choices about who they are and how they live. A family tradition I will do my best to transmit is being at home in your identity, a life in which the way you live and what you believe, what you say you value and what you prioritize are balanced. They support the person you want to be. A feeling of balance can lead to a balanced life and graceful living. What do we need? Above all, we need to balance our needs. All joy and no purpose is shallow. All purpose and no beauty is drab. But if we find them all, if we have joy in our lives and purpose in our steps and beauty in our eyes and balance in our minds, we can know that we are not simply living. We are living with grace. I did not tell you the end of the Hillel story. After the calm and confident answer given on one foot, Hillel said, Do not do to others what you would not have them do to you. Now come and learn. Balance comes not just from who we are. Balance is how we move through the world, how we connect with each other. One person on one foot cannot stand forever. But if you are on one foot, and I am on one foot, we can support each other. Shana Tova, a happy and healthy new year. This podcast was recorded and produced by Ken Burke on behalf of Rabbi Shalom and Kol Hadash in conjunction with Repatriation Studios. I'm Ken Burke, and thank you for listening.